these animals have a very different behavior than we see in almost any place in the world. They actively seek out interaction with divers. So you get these giant mantas or dolphins or all these things that will literally come right up to your face to interact with you and want to play with you and interact with you. It's incredibly beautiful. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today we are diving down deep with Jay Clue. And we are going to be talking about diving Socorro, um, which is commonly referred to a group of islands in Mexico. Many divers call it Socorro. And Jay has dove Socorro in this area more than 20 times. He is also a tech trimix dive instructor with over 6,000 scuba dives under his belt. He's also an avid cave diver, marine conservationist, and explorer. His current work focuses on leading specialized diving expeditions in Baja and around the world and building a true ecotourism platforms that bridge the gap between science, conservation, and tourism for dive ninja expeditions. And if you're interested in some of these trips, definitely check them out on DiveNinjaExpeditions.com. Uh, we're going to be doing more episodes with Jay in the future, so be on the lookout for some really cool experiences around Mobula Rays, um, how to see amazing whales throughout Mexico, and even swimming with the striped marlin. Uh, so those episodes will be to come throughout the year, and I am so excited. And I just swear, I, I feel like I've just met a kindred spirit in, in the diving world, um, as many of you may know, my heart isn't diving. I love diving. I love the ocean. And I personally love uh, sharks. And, and the Socorro Islands in Mexico is, is known as the Galapagos of Mexico. Um, this area of islands is a protected marine reserve, and here you can see sharks, whales, mantas, dolphins. You, you never know what you're going to see, but this is an area of big animals. And if you love the water, and if you're uh, an avid diver, you're interested in diving, um, I encourage you to keep on listening to this episode and learn about the diving in Socorro, when to go, when Jay's favorite months are, uh, what to expect there, skills needed, um, and we'll lay down the costs and, and how to make this experience happen. Oh, hi, Jay. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have. Are you excited? Of course. Super excited. Hey, so we are talking about diving Socorro. Now, I call it Socorro Islands, and many others do because most of us cannot pronounce the real name of the islands. Can you, can you help me out here? 
<laughs> yes, the actual archipelago is called Revilla Quero. Um, it's uh, made up of four islands, and the largest island is Socorro, so that's why everyone ends up calling it Socorro, because it can't really, it's a, a hard name to pronounce. Yes, I'm I'm already butchering it, which is why I'm making you do it. So, <laughs> so before I dive it one day, uh, I'm going to have to really hone this. Uh, now, I'm an avid diver. You're a very avid diver. I am not Dove Socorro. And it, this is on my list to, to go dive. And I would just love to hear about your favorite experience of, of diving these islands and, and really just take us there. Okay. Yeah, well, to, to start, is really, it's one of those places I've been out there maybe 20 times now, um, and it's, it's very hard for me to say pick one experience, but I'm going to try my best. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's just every time I go there, I'm like, it's going to be, you know, not the same, and it's always something even better. Um, so to start, let's just uh, talk about a little bit about the area, like we can kind of picture, so you can get a picture of it in your mind. Um, these islands are located 340 miles off the coast of Mexico. They're super, super far, middle of the Pacific Ocean. They're very Jurassic Park looking. Um, most are very small. A couple of the islands, one's a little bit larger. But they're, you know, it's uh, a big momentum to get there. It takes about 26 to 30 hours to get there by boat. Um, so you've kind of got this long build up getting out there, going through everything and all that. Um, and then you wake up the next morning and you're usually at San Benedicto, which is one of the islands, um, which is a big volcano that erupted about 60, 70 years ago. Um, so you kind of wake up in this bay where you have this, you know, beautiful volcano kind of reaching up from the water. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's like nothing around you or anything, just kind of floating in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, for me, like one of the... I say one of the most beautiful experiences I've had out there was on a citizen science trip we were running last year. And um, we go to this place out there, there's a place called The Boiler. This dive site is, uh, is a pinnacle that comes up from about 25 meters or so, 30 meters uh, up to almost about three before the surface. It's a pretty large pinnacle and the top kind of looks like boiling water. That's why it gets the name the boilers because of the waves crashing over. It creates a lot of bubbles um, and it's almost like it's boiling. Mm -hmm. um, this place is, this uh, pinnacle is, uh, it's known for a cleaning station on it. And in the mornings we get something very special there. Uh, we get schools of, or pods of bottlenose dolphins that cleaning station to come get cleaned early in the morning. So one morning we're heading out over there to check it out and everything and we get in the water and go down and it's about, you know, maybe just after sunrise, it's still a bit dark in the water and everything. And you can hear the dolphins in the distance speaking and talking and all that. And they're sitting around, you know, kind of swimming around, waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to happen and nothing's really going on. But you can still hear them like the noises echoing through the water and everything. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get this massive pod, maybe 30, 40 dolphins, bottlenose dolphins, all come flying into the cleaning station. Uh, Socorro and these islands are very special. It, it, we like to say it's like the place where dreams come true because the animals here are mostly megafauna. It's all very large animals. But these animals have a very different uh, behavior than we see in almost any place in the world. 
they actively seek out interaction with divers. So you get these giant mantas or dolphins or all these things that will literally come right up to your face to interact with you and want to play with you and interact with you. It's incredibly beautiful. Uh-huh. So in this day, we've got this huge pot of dolphins coming in and they're all swimming around the guests and the divers and all that kind of stuff playing around and shooting back up to the ocean, uh, the ocean surface. Um, but none of them are really going down to the cleaning station. Yet. And um, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a dolphin with a little baby dolphin. It couldn't have been more than maybe two feet long. It was like a very, very young baby dolphin. And it's coming down with a, what we would guess is his mother and an escort. And they come by nice and slow and they pass some of the divers and then they go around kind of like checking out the scene and everything like that. We're all like, oh my God, it's a baby dolphin. It's so crazy. <laughs> and this baby dolphin and they take it down to the cleaning station a bit deeper and they, the mother and escort kind of take off and leave the baby there at the cleaning station like they were dropping it off to school. Uh, the baby kind of turns upright in the water and just kind of lays back and all the clarion angelfish start to come out to clean it. I'm not sure if you, have you seen clarion angelfish before? I have. I have. It's awesome. It's been a while, but maybe we could post a photo of this in the show notes on experiencesyouhave.com. Definitely. So for those that maybe have not seen it, the clarion angelfish are very special. They're endemic only to this area and into Baja, the southern tip of Baja. Um, They're neon orange. They glow in the water. Really, really pretty fish. So they come out, these angelfish start coming out, and they come to the baby dolphin, and they start to clean it. And the dolphin is uh, vertical in the water. And it looks almost to me like I'm watching this from maybe 10 meters away, uh, 30 feet away, and it looks as if the dolphin had fallen, the baby had fallen asleep. Like it looked like he was just like, ah, oh, this feels so good. I'm getting a massage. I'm at the dolphin spa. And he had like kind of passed out and was just laying there. Then the mother dolphin comes back down from the surface and comes down to the baby, circles around them for a moment or two. And then the, the baby still doesn't really uh, interact or anything. So the mother then spins back around them and kind of slaps him with her pectoral as if to wake him up and be like, hey, we got places to go, man. (laughs) And the baby kind of starts to shake and the angelfish move away and he starts kind of shaking around and like coming back. And then the escort comes down or one of the other adult dolphins comes down and as the baby is shaking, he starts to slowly roll on his back, his belly up in the water, in the midwater. And the escort kind of comes down from the surface, slowly down to him and goes right to his belly and places the nose, his nose against the baby's belly and starts moving it, like rubbing his belly almost. And it's like one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my life. It looks like the little baby is laughing. You could hear it making noises like, <laughs> like all crazy. And it's shaking like it was getting tickled. Uh, is incredibly cute, like one of the most beautiful things in the world. And then they all kind of tip off together and just boom, vanished off into the blue as fast as they came in. is incredible. Yeah. Wow. This sounds like an incredible experience. So that was a, an incredible experience with the Balanos dolphins. Oh, have you seen other animals like hammerheads in the area or – or humpback whales? Yeah, we've seen many, many things out there. So this area is, the diving is known for like megafauna diving. It's all big animals and it's all pelagic-like. Um, the islands themselves are almost like GPS beacons to these animals that kind of migrate through the area. Um, so we get huge schools of scalloped hammerheads out there. I've seen schools of, you know, numbering in the hundreds. 
Um, we've had times where, you know, you see him a lot of times out in the blue being shy. Uh, but then also we've had times where on Cabo Pierce in uh, the actual island of Socorro in the morning where we've had schools of like uh, 100 to 200 scallop tenderheads just come flying over the top of us. And we could just see them all silhouetted against the ocean surface coming over the top. Um, Humpback whales, we've seen a few out there. We don't see them as much as we used to. Um, I think because of the rising water temperatures, they don't head us south anymore. Uh -huh. um, but we do catch them out there once in a while. We'll see them. Um, we see false killer whales have become pretty common there the last few years. We've been seeing pods of them and being able to get in the water really quick. Um, lots of sharks. There's over 10 species of sharks that call the islands home. And these aren't sharks as in the sense that you see like maybe one or maybe two. They're like huge amounts. Um, at some of the dive sites, you can see massive schools of uh, silkies, massive schools of Galapagos, schools of dusky sharks, you know, sharks that you normally don't really see in schools. We see them in such abundance out there that it's just uh, almost like shark soup. Ooh, uh, I love shark the... soup, except I don't want to <laughs> eat shark soup. I just want to be surrounded <laughs> by sharks. <laughs> yes. Swimming in a bowl of shark soup. Yes. Um, but what a... <laughs> One of my, my favorite uh, sharks that we've been seeing more and more common out there right now um, in the last few years are tiger sharks. Yes. Um, a few years ago, they started to appear here and there. We would see them once in a while. Um, this last season, when we were out there, we started seeing them almost like every dot. You know, I mean, like it starts to be all the time. We're starting to see a lot and a lot more of them. Uh, juveniles, adults, and everything like that. Um, just actually to put in example, our first dive this year, we were out in there in um, January for a citizen science shark research trip uh, with Dr. Mauricio Hoyas. And our first dive we went to this place is that we go to is kind of a good place for a checkout dive and that's about it. They usually don't have anything, any big animals or anything good. It's just a sandy bottom. Um, not really anything pretty, more just like, okay, let's just get in the water, make sure everybody's comfortable and make sure the equipment's working. So we, uh, we drop into the water and we start to descend. I, we don't even make it to the bottom. We're in about maybe 30, uh, 45, 50 feet of water. And um, just coming off to the side of us is uh, uh, like a pod of about six or eight dolphins come blowing past us, like just cruising by, like, hey, how are you guys? It just continues on. And out of the corner of my eye, I go to look back at one of the guests and I see following the dolphins is a huge, like 12 foot tiger shark. And he just cruises in, comes around the group, cruises past us, and then continues on and comes back a little while later to check us out again. And then as this is going on, we get two giant oceanic mantas come in and start circling the group and playing with the group all at the same time. This is in the first, not even exaggerating, like 30 seconds of the dive, oh of the God. first dive of the trip. It is insane, like insanely incredible. Wow. Uh, that sounds out of this world. Uh I love tiger sharks. Um, I've gotten to spend some time with them at Tiger Beach, but I've never seen them anywhere else. I've looked for them off of Kona. I've never been in there at the right place at the right time. And seeing them with mantas and and with a variety of other animals, that sounds absolutely stunning. Yeah, it is unreal. So... So curious for those shark lovers out there, as I am like sharks are my favorite animal in the world. Uh, do you see the Galapagos and the tiger sharks and the silkies and the hammerheads? Are they there around the same time or are they spread out throughout the year when you can see um, these sharks? 
they're pretty much there all season. Um, the the season out there is, is only about half a year you can get out there to dive. Um, but at certain points in the season, there tends to be more sharks than certain points of the season there tends to be less. But throughout the season, you can pretty much see almost all the sharks. Um, the only one that can be a little more rare is the whale shark. Early in the season, we can we tend to see them more often, and then later in the season, they tend to not see them as much. Um, but that being said, I've seen them in the beginning of the season, and I've seen them at the end of the season too. It's just a more rare occurrence the season later on. Got it. Got it. Now let's get into some logistics here. Uh, so when you talk about the season. What what are the top months for diving uh, Socorro or this group of islands? Alright, so the, the season itself, just to give you the full background, it usually kicks off in November and it'll run till about June or July, um, depending on which operator you're going with and all that. The early part of the season is the better time for, hammer, or for uh, whale sharks. Um, usually like November, December is about the, the best time to see them, or January a little bit too. Um, besides that, there's not a huge difference between, say, any of the months of the season. Um, the whales tend to be, if you do see whales out there, it tends to be more around February or March, somewhere around then when the water starts to cool down a tiny bit more. Um, but uh, outside of that, the rest of the species are pretty much there all the time. In my personal experience, I tend to find that there's more sharks early in the season and late in the season, and more mantas in the middle of the season. But I have friends of mine that work out there and other people and everything you can talk to, and they'll say the complete opposite. You know, some, it's just kind of personal experience, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I mean, the entire season is pretty great. I usually recommend to our guests and things to stay away from late season, like July and stuff, because of the storms. Um, you have a higher chance of getting blown out late season. Um, and not being able to make the crossing because the crossing is, you know, 30 hours and hurricane season in the Pacific starts to kick off in July. So if you absolutely love sharks and dolphins and mantas and you just want to see a ton of big animals, if you had to pick two months as your favorite two months to dive these islands, what would you pick? My favorite two months, I would have to say January and April. They're my, the best experiences I've had out there were in those, always in those two months. Okay. That is excellent information. Now, this is not a day trip. Um, I know you're having to go out on a liveaboard. Uh, how long are these trips typically? So it depends on the operator, but normally it's around eight to nine days or eight to 10 days. Um, some operators run a day shorter, some run a day longer. It just depends, you know, on which operator, the way they do it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Got it. And as far as operators go, what are your favorite operators? So my, we have two main ones that we work with every year. Um, there's Kino El Guardian and Rocio Del Mar, which are owned by Mexico Liveaboards, a woman named Dora Sandoval. Um, 
we work with them a lot because I, I really love Dora's passion for the ocean in the sense that like she's she was one of the first people to start building citizen science trips out there. Um, they're constantly working with marine biologists and bringing the biologists out there to do their work and letting them use their ships and be on their ships for free and these kind of things. Um, she also runs another program uh, called Heroes Del Mar, which is like this uh, new um, organization that's trying to get children like less fortunate children into working in the ocean and being exposed to the ocean so they actually go to all these small towns in mexico and meet with children and they pick a kid from every town and then take them out on their liveaboard with a bunch of scientists to learn about the ocean and go diving and all these kind of cool things so we love to support them their two ships kino el guardian and rocia del mar um the other company we work a lot with is Nautilus Liveaboards, which are, in my opinion, probably some of the nicest ships that go out there. They're really beautiful ships, um, all built just for diving and everything like that. They're also one of the oldest operators that have been operating in Socorro out there. Um, they've been around for a while. They know the waters very well. Um, and their ships are gorgeous, and their crew is really, really good. Fantastic. And... So I know the minimum age requirement to dive is 10 years old. Um, and what type of certifications do you need to go on these boats or go on this liveaboard trip? That, to, to start with children, I, I usually tend to recommend against it for this kind of place because it's a lot of deep diving and it's pretty strong currents. It can be some pretty uh, you know hardcore diving out there. Got it. Um, not really a good place for children. Plus that third, that 26 to 30 hour crossing is usually not so fun for them. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a, a bit of a long trip for the little ones. Um, but for anyone else, you know, I'd say teenagers and up are, are more than fine out there. As for certification level, we usually recommend uh, advanced open water or an equivalent um, and usually a decent amount of uh, experience out there i'd say at least maybe 50 60 dives under your belt and having some experience doing deep dives and diving in really strong currents um, a lot of the diving out there is what we call cleaning station diving so you're doing these kind of deep drops to about 25 meters or 80 feet um, straight down to a cleaning station there can be some ripping currents and these kind of things you kind of have to like fight against the current a little to get into the right place to hold on and all that and then you know hanging out you're doing these deep dives all day long there's not really like shallow reef diving or any of that kind of stuff out there. It's all mainly deep water and also blue water diving where you're kind of jumping off the wall into the middle, you know, into the blue ocean and there's no reference of a bottom or below you or to the side or anything like that. Got it. Got it. And so let's say for those open water divers out there who, who want to build up some more experience, um, before they go on these dives, uh, do you have a recommended just dive operator out of Baja that you'd recommend? Yeah, I, I recommend our shop without a doubt, Dive Ninja Expeditions. Um, we work mainly, we're based in Cabo San Lucas, where all the ships leave from. Actually, a lot of the liveaboards already recommend their customers to dive with us uh, directly. Um, so and one of the kind of benefits to that is we understand what's going on out there because we do a lot of stuff out there so we can give them dives and kind of even help them with a bit of training and these kind of things to get them ready for, uh, you know, if they want to practice a little bit or just try out their gear or go see some cool stuff in Baja because there's just insanely amazing stuff here in Baja. Now, that's great information. Now, what if you don't have your dive certification? Maybe you just love snorkeling. 
could you go out on this level board and see some big animals from the ship? Um, or yeah. do you recommend only going if you're an advanced open water diver uh, with a lot of experience under your belt? That, I, I mean, you don't need a ton of experience, I'd say, to go out there. We've had divers come out there with like 40, 50 dives and be more than confident and fun out there. The guides are very good about taking care of the, the guests and putting them in an like, equal experience level. As for snorkeling, though, normally I would have probably said no, but just last week I was with a couple of guests of ours from Australia on an expedition here to see the Mobulus, and the, the wife doesn't dive. She only snorkels. And she was telling me that she recently went out there in the last year or so, and she was saying how incredible it was just going snorkeling. Like she was, um, they would, because you get the mantas sometimes at the surface. So whenever they would see the mantas at the surface, she would uh, jump on the boat and while her husband was diving, they would like to, one of the guys would take her out on a skiff and she'd jump in the water and like snorkel with the mantas. I don't think you're going to have the same interaction or the same experience as a snorkeler um, as you would with diving since most of the action takes place kind of deep underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a, a couple and one of them maybe dives and one snorkels, it is possible. That's great advice. Now, as far as costs are involved, the big question. Um, <laughs> So you mentioned like Mexico level boards and Nautilus. What's the average cost for this trip that might be eight to 10 days? So the, you're looking at, you're going to be looking around 3,300 to about $4,000 um, all in. Um, the one there's, I would say one tip I could give anyone on booking trips out there is when you look at the different operators, you really have to kind of read the small the small print um, because you'll see some operators are a bit cheaper, like a few hundred dollars cheaper, but then somewhere in the small print, there might be something that says like, okay, alcohol's not included or beer's not included or tax isn't included and you need to add Mexican tax to the price, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, one of the reasons we do like to work with Mexico Liveaboards, with Kino Guardian and Lucia Del Mar, is their prices are pretty much all in. Um, the price they give you is the price for everything. It includes your marine park fees. It includes you know pretty much everything except like a hyperbaric chamber fee and I think a port fee, if I remember correctly. Um, but they're very open about what that is. Whereas some of the other operators in Nautilus can be a little confusing because they add um, partial tax. Like they cover the... The majority of the tax because recently the sales tax in Mexico changed a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they cover the old tax, but you have to pay the new tax. So you take, you know, your um, the ticket price plus five percent plus you know beer and alcohol or whatever you're going to buy on board. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as tipping goes, um, I've always tipped at the end of a liveaboard. Uh, typically, what's the What's the, what would be an appropriate tip at the end of the trip? Usually we recommend 10 to 15% of your ticket price. Um, so I would say anywhere be depending on what it is, 300 to 500 or something like that U.S. Okay. So you need to factor that in. And then that price does not include your flights. What would be the airport that you would need to fly in to for this experience? Yeah, so the main airport you want to fly into is Los Cabos International, which is also known as San Jose del Cabo. Um, make sure it's the one in Mexico and not the one in Costa Rica, California. Yes. <laughs> we've, had some, 
some guests make that mistake in the past and end oh, no. up in the wrong country. Uh, but uh, okay. the San Jose del Cabo is uh, Los Cabos International. Um, it's, uh, the airport code is SJD. Perfect. I was actually just flying out of there uh, about a week ago. Lovely, nice. lovely airport. And how far in advance should you book this trip? We usually recommend booking uh, at the bare minimum six to nine months in advance, but we usually say go for about a year, depending when you want to go in the season. The, the high season or the peak of the season is usually around January and February. Um, so those spaces sell out really, really fast. Um, most of the ships do sell out every season. Um, so you'll find, you know, if you're booking last minute, you might find some open spaces in the beginning of the season or the end of the season. But that middle part is usually pretty hard to find last minute. So if you're, you know, we recommend trying to get it a bit in advance. Now, to actually find uh, spots available, um, do you have some recommended uh, sites to check out to find who might have a spot available? Yeah, so you you can go direct to the liveaboards themselves, like either to Kino El Guardian or to Rocio Del Mar. Um, you can also do uh, contact uh, Dive Ninja Expeditions. They do they handle a lot of the bookings for different operators and different ships out there. Mm -hmm. um, they also actually run we run trips out there usually one or two times a year. We'll have like specialized charters out there that are like citizen science based, where we bring biologists with us and they teach the customers and do all these kind of you know, the customers get to partake in research and get to be like a marine biologist for the week and stuff like that. That sounds so exciting. I want to go on one of those trips. Yeah, we'll be actually uh, releasing another one in the next couple months. There'll be a new one coming out. It's a little secret, ninja secret for right now. But um, we'll have another really special one we're releasing for uh, the 2019-20 season. Please let me know when that trip comes out. I would Definitely. love to be on the boat. Awesome. And yeah. Now, what <laughs> if um, you're a scuba diver? Maybe, uh, maybe that you have an adaptive certification, or maybe you have limited mobility, but you're also a scuba diver. Um, do any of these boats um, accommodate someone who, who might need some? Uh, like an ADA certified room, um, and do you think this trip would be appropriate if if you are like an adaptive scuba diver? Yeah, I definitely think you can do well out there. Uh, some of the ships, uh, Nautilus for one, they have a ship called the Undersea. Um, the Undersea has uh, ADA compatible rooms, which are literally right on the dive deck and everything like that. They're a bit larger, they have larger bathrooms and all that to make it a little easier to move around and get around. Um, they're also very good at putting like a uh, guide with them to make sure everything's okay, depending on what, the, what you would need and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic. That's some great information, and we'll include that in the show notes. And, and as far as equipment goes, um, I know many times you can rent gear on the boat, um, but would is there a gear that you would recommend bringing and um, that you own? And also, any emergency type equipment like a GPS or horn, like do you recommend having that out there since it is so remote? 
Yeah, I always, for myself, a peace of mind, I always carry a lifeline with me. Uh, I say Nautilus lifeline. Um, the actual liveaboard Nautilus are the ones that developed those, if you're familiar with them. Mm -hmm. um, they were the same company that actually developed the, the lifeline. Uh, their ships, they actually give them out. If you're on a Nautilus ship, they give all their guests one to use for the week. Um, and a few of the other operators do too. Aggressor does. Um, I think Rocio started to do it this season, something like that. Um, a few of the operators have started to give them out. But I always say, if you have one already, it's always worth bringing it with you because you're going to be in the middle of the ocean. The you know, next nearest landmass is either Mexico, 340 miles away if you're lucky, and the current's going backwards. Um, otherwise, your uh, next landmass you're going to try to hit is the Hawaii before you start over to Asia. So, <laughs> <Got it>. yes. <laughs> um, as for scuba gear and everything like that, a, a pair of solid fins is always a good recommendation out there. I would stay away from like split fins and those kind of things just because you want something that's got some torque behind it uh, because uh, some of the currents can get pretty strong out there. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, just your normal gear, you know, closure, like wetsuit, et cetera, et cetera. All the ships do rent equipment. Um, they have different plans, different things. Some of them, you know, uh, the, the prices are different between them and all that kind of stuff. Now, how cold is the water and what millimeter wetsuit should you be bringing? All right. I may be a very bad person to ask for this one <laughs> <laughs> because I, I have this weird thing. I don't get cold very easy and sometimes I get really, really cold. But um, Out there, the temperatures can range anywhere from, say, on the warmest I've seen, it would be about 26, 27 Celsius, so high 70s or something like that, maybe. Um, but on the other side, I've seen it as cold as like 22, 21 Celsius. So talking more on the low 70s, somewhere in that general range. Um, so I would check with the operator to see what the current temperature is, say the week before you go, because the temperatures out there kind of fluctuate throughout the season. Um, and you, because you're diving these, essentially these, these uh, you know, mountains that, you know, the sides of these islands drop 2000 meters below sea level. I mean, it goes down almost a mile deep on the sides once you leave the mountains. Mm -hmm. um, so you get a lot of uh, like deep ocean currents bringing tons of nutrients and everything up into the islands. And sometimes when they are very active, it can bring a lot of cold water up to the surface and cool it down a bit um, and go from there. Usually my normal recommendation is a five mil, depending if you get really cold, maybe a seven. Um, that being said, the last couple of trips I've done out there, I was basically diving in board shorts and like a one millimeter rash guard. That's, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, you can't use me as a comparison because I'm a little strange like that. <laughs> hey, no problem. No problem. Now, are you doing any night dives? Do you need a light at all? No, you won't really need a light um, because night diving in the marine park is uh, outlawed. It's not, it's not legal. Mm -hmm. um, the, the islands, I probably should have mentioned this earlier on, the islands are a UNESCO World Heritage Site. They're also one of the largest marine parks in the world or part of one of the largest marine parks in the world. So they've got very specific rules and very, uh, you know, you need to have special permits to go there. You have to pay fees to be in the park and all that kind of stuff. And one of those rules is that night diving is not allowed. Got it. Got it. All right. No night diving, folks. But um, <laughs> but it sounds like the day diving is absolutely incredible. Now, how yeah. many dives per day are you doing um, when you're out there? On average, you do about four a day, three to four a day. Um, there's sometimes you'll cut down to three at certain areas like Roca Partida. Uh, 
and then that's just because they're it's a very tiny uh, island I mean you could swim around the whole thing in maybe 30 minutes um, it's a super super tiny so if there's a lot of boats out there it's just two if you get like three boats out there or you know even sometimes two boats out there it gets hard to get everyone in the water as many times in a day so they'll cut it back to like three um, but normally most of the other places you'll get four a day got it and then are there any additional tips that you would like our listeners to know? Uh, I would say just go and enjoy it. It's incredible. Definitely bring a camera, a GoPro or something like that, because it's, it's one of those places that is just is magical. You know, things have seen things happen out there. And like I said, I've been there 20 times and every single time I go, I come back surprised. So besides that, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. It's, it's just one of those places that's just incredible, and you just—I definitely recommend experiencing at some point in your life. Oh, that sounds fantastic! And remember to check out the show notes on experiences that you should have dot com. Click on podcast episodes. You'll find this episode, all the information that Jay shared with us today, and uh, some pictures and and links and everything that you would want to know. Truly, thank you, Jay. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very, very welcome. <laughs> I'm happy to have joined you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. Now, go to DiveNinjaExpeditions.com. I'm going to have all these links in the show notes on experiencesyoushouldhave.com. Go ahead, book an expedition. Go check out Socorro. Go swim with some sharks and some dolphins. I swear, these are the memories that you are going to keep with you. So what I'm really encouraging you to do is to go have an adventure. I mean, Life is short, and this podcast is here to connect you to really cool adventures around the world and actually give you the numbers of the cost, how to make it happen, how far in advance to plan so you can go do cool things in the world and go experience this freaking beautiful world we live in. Also, if you're on Instagram, definitely check out Experiences Podcast. Follow us. Tell a neighbor. Tell a friend. Tell your tell your coworker. Tell your boss. Tell the world about Experiences You Should Have Podcast. And uh, feel free to drop us a line if you have a really cool experience that you would like to share that can be replicated that others should experience. Uh, that is all for today and stay tuned for future adventures around the world.